Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. Appreciate you listening every week at this same time to Bible Crossfire, where you can call in and ask a Bible question, make a comment, even discuss with this, discuss with us perhaps a difference in the way you see things. Of course, I think we're all agreed here. The Bible is going to be the standard. It's to decide what's right. So, but sometimes we may look at a Bible verse a different way and let's, let's look at it all and put all the verses together and find out the truth here. That's what the goal of this program is to find the truth because only the truth will set us free from sin. John 8 32. You know, you don't decide truth by what everybody else believes or by, like by the majority. The truth is defined by God's word. Jesus said in John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. You find out God's truth by looking at his word. It doesn't matter if you're the only person that believes the truth, if the Bible teaches it is true. As a matter of fact, I think we're going to find out as we look at it, the majority is usually wrong. Of course, a lot of people decide what's right and wrong by the majority, but the majority is usually wrong. Let me show you that. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 13 and 14, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. The broad way, that's where most people are going to go. The narrow way, the way to life, few people find that. So Matthew 7, 13 and 14 is establishing what we were just talking about. The majority are going to be wrong. The majority is usually wrong. And in religion, they're usually wrong. Part of the reason is, is because the majority is never going to be willing to make the commitment that God actually requires. Jesus said in John, in Matthew 16, 24, if any man will come after me, in other words, if you want to be a disciple of Christ, let him deny himself. You have to quit doing what you want to do 24-7 and start doing what Christ wants you to do 24-7 and take up his cross. Well, for Christ, the cross represented sacrifice. So if we're going to take up his cross, we're going to have to make sacrifices. Most people aren't willing to deny themselves. Most people aren't willing to take up the cross and make sacrifices for Christ. And so that's why the majority is usually going to be wrong. And then he says, and follow me, follow his teachings. Most people aren't following his teachings. They think, well, all I got to do is believe in Jesus. I don't have to worry about what he taught. 25, Matthew 16. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For you to gain spiritual life, you have to lose your physical life here. You cannot live your physical life here the way you want to live it. If you do, you will lose your spiritual life. You won't be saved in heaven. You lose your physical life here. Say, I'm giving up my life and I'm going to serve Christ 24-7. Then you will gain eternal life. Verse 26, for what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? You're better off with only one penny to your name and going to heaven than having billions and billions of dollars in this life and losing your soul. It's worth more than all the money in the world. This passage and many others talks about the serious total commitment that we have to have to God. As I mentioned last week that I'd heard uh, during the week before that, you have to be willing to die to avoid even committing one sin. Now, most people, that's going to be, that's crazy. I mean, we sin all the time and there's nothing wrong with it. Everybody sins, so it's okay for me to sin. 
That won't cut it with God. You have to have the kind of commitment that says, I will die before I commit a single sin. I'll rather die than commit a single sin. That's the commitment level that Jesus is talking about in Matthew 16, 24 through 26. Most people aren't willing to even come close to that commitment level. And that's why the majority is usually going to be wrong. You remember the story in uh, Noah's Ark and the flood came and all the people died. Well, First Peter 3 verse 20 says about that, which sometime were disobedient. When once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a preparing, read few, that is eight souls were saved by water. I don't think anybody knows how many people were alive when the flood came, but probably millions, but only eight people wanted to serve the Lord the way he said he should be served. Only eight were saved at that point. Everybody else, let's just assume eight million people were alive on the earth at that time. Only eight out of 8 million were serving the Lord in an acceptable manner. Very small minority. That's the way it's always been. The ones who are serving the Lord and who are actually going to be saved are very, very small minority. You think about this. Well, I tell you what, before we think about the next point, I want to remind you the number to call is 877-655-6755. If you have a Bible question or comment, you want to get on the air and the lines are wide open, number to call is 877-655-6755. You remember the story of the spies uh, uh, spying out the land of, of Canaan? Uh, well, only you'll remember from Numbers 13, 25 through 33, that only Joshua and Caleb of the 12 spies had enough faith to report back that they could take the promised land with God's help. The majority were wrong. Ten spies says, no, the people in the land are too strong. It would be a great land to have flowing with milk and honey, but we can't take it. The people there would be too strong and we could not win the military battles to get it. What they failed to remember is that God was going to help them. Joshua and Caleb, remember that with God's help, we can do it. They were in the minority. The majority was wrong at that time. The majority is usually wrong. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. You know, I think the majority of believers thought Billy Graham takes the cake. They thought he was some great preacher. But in an interview with Robert Schuler in 1997, Mr. Graham said, and I quote, whether they come from the Muslim world or the Buddhist world or the Christian world or the non-believing world, they are members of the body of Christ because they have been called by God. They might not even know the name of Jesus, but they know in their hearts they need something that they don't have and they turn to the only light they have. And I think they're saved. They're going to be with us in heaven. Let me take this call if I can figure out how to do this. Gregory from Huntsville, Alabama. Go ahead with your question or comment, please. Gregory, you're on the air. Nope, we lost him. And so here's what Billy Graham is saying. He's saying, if you're a faithful Muslim or a faithful Buddhist, and he would have said the same thing about being a faithful Jew, any of the, if you're faithful in these religions, you're going to be saved even if you don't believe in Jesus. And that, that's Billy Graham. In McCall's magazine, Graham said this, I used to believe that pagans in far off countries were lost. 
were going to H-E-L-L. If they did not have the gospel of Jesus Christ preached to them, I no longer believe that. I believe that there are other ways of recognizing the existence of God through nature, for instance, and plenty of other opportunities, therefore, of saying yes to God. Do you see what he's saying? I used to believe that pagans, those in other countries who were unbelievers, did not believe in Christ, that they were going to be lost. But I don't believe that anymore. There are other ways of recognizing the existence of God and things. So he's saying in both of those quotes, I used to believe you had to believe in Jesus to be saved, but I don't believe that anymore. You can be saved as long as you're faithful to your Muslim religion or Buddhist religion or Jewish religion. You can be saved without believing in Christ. Let's compare that teaching to John 14, 6, for example. Jesus saith, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus said, no. You cannot come to the Father but by me. He said in John 8, 24, I said, you shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that, in he, that I am he, you shall die in your sins. And so Jesus says the whole Bible teaches, the New Testament in particular, you have to believe in Jesus to be saved. Well, John three sixteen, the most famous verse in the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You've got to believe in Christ to be saved. That's clearly taught by Jesus and the rest of the New Testament writers. Billy Graham, the most famous preacher, the most popular preacher of my generation, said, no, you can be saved without believing in Jesus. And the majority of believers think Billy Graham takes the cake. So the majority is wrong. Majority have appreciation for Billy Graham, but Billy Graham is teaching something directly contradictory to what Jesus said. The majority are wrong. Billy Graham was wrong. And the majority that appreciate Billy Graham are wrong because he taught something that contradicts the Bible. He taught you could be saved without believing in Christ. And if there's anything the Bible makes clear, it's that you can't be saved without believing in Christ. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. The majority are usually wrong. The majority agree with Andrew Farley, who's on Sirius XM Radio, on baptism. He said this, and I quote on his website, Does a person need to be water baptized to be saved? What exactly is the purpose of baptism? While some teach that water baptism is necessary for salvation, Scripture makes the opposite claim. So Andrew Farley teaches you don't have to be baptized to be saved. He says the Scriptures teach the opposite of that. And the majority agree with him, but he's dead wrong. He's dead wrong. Mark sixteen sixteen, Jesus said, He that believeth, and is baptized shall be saved. So it takes belief and baptism to be saved. We had a caller that accidentally got dropped, I think, probably lost the connection. Lexi from Pennsylvania wanted to know if God hates gay people. Uh, And the answer to that is no. God so loved the world, as we quoted before, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So he does not hate gay people, but he loves gay people. But because he loves them, he demands that they repent. He demands that they repent. If they don't repent, they can't be saved. Jesus said in Luke chapter 13, verse 3, 
except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. So homosexuals can't be saved. But if they repent and quit being a homosexual, then they're not a homosexual anymore. And so they can be saved. So a homosexual can be forgiven just like any other sin. They can be forgiven. God does not hate them. God loves them just like he loves a murderer or a rapist or a serial killer. He loves all those people. But all of those people have to repent and turn from their sins if they want to be saved. Peter told believers in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. Well, so what do you got to do to get the remission of sins? You got to repent and you got to be baptized. So their homosexuals are going to have to repent. Even if they're believers in Christ, they're going to have to repent of their sins because Peter said, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. You got to repent, get the remission of sins. You got to be baptized to get the remission of sins. Now, most people agree with Andrew Farley that you don't have to be baptized to be saved. But Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Peter says here through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. It couldn't be any clearer. I know it's not the popular belief. Most people, the majority say, you don't have to be baptized to be saved. And most people say, well, whatever the majority says, it must be right. Well, the majority would leave Jesus out in the cold because he said you do have to be baptized to be saved. He says you got to be baptized, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. He said in John chapter 3, verse 5, Jesus speaking, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. You have to be born of water and the spirit. You have to be baptized in water according to the teaching of the spirit or you can't enter into the kingdom of God. Yes, the majority doesn't agree with that, but what difference does it make? God clearly says, definitively says, you've got to be baptized to be saved. Acts twenty two sixteen. what did Ananias tell Saul, who later became known as the Apostle Paul? What did he tell him to do? He'd already believed in Christ at least three days earlier. Ananias told Saul, arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins. So we're all agreed it's the blood of Christ that washes away our sins. But the blood of Christ doesn't wash away our sins when we believe. No, Paul had already believed. Three days later, he's told to be baptized to get his sins washed away. I didn't write that verse. God did. Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins. A hundred percent for sure, you got to get baptized to get your sins washed away by the blood of Christ. That verse is really clear. There's no way to go get around it. Now, I know the majority doesn't agree with that, but the majority is usually wrong. What do we read in Matthew 7, 13 and 14? Straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life and few there be that find it. The majority is usually wrong. If you have a Bible question or comment, the number to call is 877-655-6755. The number to call if you have a Bible question or comment is 877-655-6755. How about Galatians 3, 26 and 27? That text says, for you're all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now, here's what that passage makes clear. Two things. One, you become a child of God by faith. So it takes faith to become a child of God. You become a child of God by faith. But verse 27 begins with, with this little word for, F-O-R, meaning to introduce the reason. In other words, the reason you're a child of God by faith is because you have been baptized into Christ. The way that you became a child of God by faith is by being baptized into Christ. And notice, 
you're baptized into Christ, meaning until you're baptized, you're not in Christ. You're not in a saved relationship with Christ. You're not in fellowship with Christ until you get baptized because this says you're baptized into Christ. The only way to get into Christ, into a fellowship with Christ, into a saved relationship with Christ is by being baptized into Christ. And then 1 Peter 3.21, the Bible says baptism, clearly talking about water baptism there because it's being compared to the waters of the flood. Baptism doth also now save us. So you got to be baptized to be saved. No, those passages are clear. The majority may not agree with that, but the majority is usually wrong. Doug from Canada, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yeah, my comment is that you 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 say that you have to be baptized in water in order to gain salvation, but I recall the, the passage in the Bible when Jesus is being crucified and the and the thief on the cross is beside him, and Jesus said to him. Today you you will be with me in paradise, meaning in heaven. And I'm sure that the thief did not get water baptized. So how do you explain that? Well, what law, what law was in effect when Jesus was alive and when the thief was forgiven? What law? Old Testament law or New Testament law, Doug? Um, probably Old Testament law. That's right. That's right. Hebrews nine, verse sixteen and seventeen says, "For where a testament is." There must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is of force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is no strength at all while the testator liveth. This New Testament law that requires baptism didn't go into effect until the day of Pentecost, about 40 or 50 days after Jesus died. The thief on the cross, Doug, didn't have to be baptized for the same reason Adam and Eve didn't have to be baptized. Moses, Noah, Abraham didn't have to be baptized. You can read all the way through the Old Testament. It'll never talk about water baptism, not one time. Go ahead, Doug. Okay, so then I guess you're saying that uh, Old Testament, all they needed was strong faith, and that that was it for salvation. No, they also had to repent, and they had to do animal sacrifices to be saved from their sins. To be forgiven of their sins, they had to believe, repent, do animal sacrifices, but we don't have to do those animal sacrifices, but we do have well, to be yeah. baptized. We do have to be baptized. David from Texas, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Um, that was that was pretty much my same question was, was the thief on the cross. Um, I didn't know about the difference between what law was in effect as far yeah. as what you had. To, but um, yeah, that, that you pretty much answered my question. I still don't understand the timeline of of uh of uh when that came in effect where you had to get you know baptized by by water well so in let me read you a passage that helps us to see the timing that I haven't read yet well I've read Hebrews nine that says the New Testament didn't go into effect until after the death of the testator, which would be Jesus Christ, just like my parents' will, their last will and testament didn't go into effect until the death of my second parent, right David, you understand the analogy okay. A will does not go into effect until after the death of the people who wrote the will, right? Right. That's the point in Hebrews 9. The testator is Jesus Christ, so his last will and testament, the New Testament, doesn't go into effect until after his death. Now, Luke twenty four forty seven. this is what Jesus said right before he ascended up to heaven. He says then that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name, among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. That's why I say the New Testament law did not go into effect until Acts 2, the day of Pentecost, when Peter preached 
two believers in Acts 2 repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. So people in the Old Testament, baptism, David, is never mentioned in the Old Testament. They didn't have to be baptized. Abraham, right. Moses, Noah, none of those guys were ever baptized. This is strictly the baptism is part of the Great Commission, and this is part of the New Testament law, something the thief was not amenable to. He lived under the Old Testament law. Does that make sense, David? Yeah, so but when, when Jesus was getting baptized himself, along with, uh, with John, I mean, that, all that was going on before before he died on the cross, though, right? Yep, that was that was a preparatory baptism. People who were baptized with John the Baptist's baptism, after that became obsolete, you'll see that they had to be rebaptized in Acts 19, 1 through 5, if they were baptized with that baptism after it became obsolete. So that was a preparatory baptism. Even then, okay. John the Baptist's baptism was for the remission of sins. It says that twice. They were doing it to get the forgiveness of their sins. But the Old Testament, the thief on the cross, lived under the Old Testament law. He did not have to get New Testament baptism. That's something that's required by the New Testament law, David. That's interesting. I, I appreciate you uh, giving me some direction to go, go look, look that up. David, thanks for your call. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Have a good evening. Roger from New York. Go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Roger, you probably need you'll need to turn your radio down. Or else we'll get feedback. Can you hear me now? Yeah, turn your radio all the way down or we'll get feedback. Okay. I'm glad to turn it all the way down. Ben from Missouri, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yeah, the the question I have is in Romans chapter 10. It says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Yeah. And what about what about those who are on their deathbed and they, you know, they've asked, uh, you know, put their faith and trust in Jesus on their deathbed and haven't been able to be baptized? Uh, you know, I don't believe that baptism saves you. But you know, First Peter three twenty one says, "Baptism doth also now save us." So it does save us in the sense you got to be baptized to be saved. But here's what I want you to think about: of Romans ten nine and ten, Ben. It doesn't say anything about having to repent in that those passages. So here's a person on his deathbed. He believes in Christ, but he doesn't repent of his sins. Is he going to be saved? Well, if he repents of his sins, yeah. No, no. I said if he doesn't repent of his sins, is he going to be saved? Uh, if he believes in his heart and confesses with his mouth, he's going to repent. No, no. I'm talking about somebody that believes and confesses and doesn't repent. I know a lot of people that believe that Jesus is the son of God and haven't repented. I've debated a lot of them, the gay church. A lot of gay people, yeah. they believe in Christ, but they've never repented. So the point well, I, is, the point is, Ben, is that here's a person that believes and confesses Romans 10, 9 and 10, but what what you just said, you said a person has to repent in order to be saved. Romans 10, 9, and 10 doesn't mention repentance. So does that mean you can be saved without repentance? Obviously not. So Romans 10, 9, and 10 is not telling us everything that a person has to do to be saved, obviously. He's got to believe. He's got to confess. But it doesn't say that a person has to repent. Yet we know from other passages that a person has to repent in order to be saved even though it's not mentioned in Romans 10, 9, and 10. So Romans 10, 9, and 10 must not be telling us everything that has to be done to be saved. You go to the other passages to get repent, 
has to be done, then you can go to other passages and tell that you have to be baptized to be saved. Well, I, Ben, I, got I any follow-up? Yeah, I 100% believe that, you know, we should be baptized. I do. We we I believe in submission, uh, you know, submersible baptism, just like Jesus got baptized. But I don't believe that you have to be baptized to be saved, and I don't believe that. Okay, thank uh, you. Thank you, Ben, for your call. And so, of course, I know what a lot of people believe. The majority says you don't have to be baptized to be saved. But Jesus said in Mark 16, 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So it doesn't matter if no matter how what anybody believes, Jesus says you do have to be baptized to be saved. And he makes it clear. Peter said in Acts 2.38, you've got to repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. Our last caller said baptism doesn't save us, but 1 Peter 3.21 says baptism saves us. If you want a free one-hour phone Bible study with me sometime at your convenience, call or text me at 256-682-9753. 